Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You know, I remember looking up Bomber Cavanaugh on a, on a company register and there, there he was. His whole business was registered in, in Birmingham. He had property in Birmingham. He wasn't a ghost. This was a man absolutely untouchable and feared. That aura, I think, has now hit back and he's in a very, very different position in a relatively short period of time. I'm Nicola Talent. And you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. Thomas Bomber Kavanagh was once the untouchable godfather of crime who sat atop a criminal organisation in direct partnership with the Kinnahan Mafia. But after three decades at the top, he came undone following a major investigation by the Garda's Drug and Organised Crime Bureau and the UK's National Crime Agency. Last year, along with his two co-accused, Daniel Cannings and Gary Vickery, he pleaded guilty to conspiracy to import drugs and to money laundering offences. While his sentence has been delayed as complex legal wranglings continue, it has become clear that Bomber is now desperate to mitigate the damage as details of a conspiracy to import an enormous tonne of cocaine and cannabis with a potential street value of over 50 million euro were revealed in court in recent days. Today, I'm joined by Sunday World Deputy Editor Niall Donald as we look at the rise and fall of Bomber Kavanagh and the lengthy sentence he's now facing behind bars in a UK prison. This is Crime World Extra, a podcast from sundayworld.com. We always knew that since he was arrested that Bomber Kavanagh was in deep trouble and had sort of reached the end of the road in some ways, but it was only in the last couple of days um, at a hearing in Ipswich Crown Court that we realised just how much trouble he's in. Um, During that court hearing, which is part of a very lengthy sentence hearing, Bomber has pleaded guilty to charges relating to drug importation and money laundering. Him and two of his associates 
Gary Vickery and Daniel Cannings. So they've pleaded guilty, were due to be sentenced last year, but it's been kicked on and on. And there's there was kind of legal wranglings going on in the background where they seem to be looking for some sort of a, a deal between the prosecution and the defence about just kind of how guilty he is, or so we thought. But actually what, what has emerged is the argument is obviously over the actual amount of drugs he's been accused of importing. And on Friday, it came out through the prosecution's address to Justice Martin Levitt that he's been sentenced in relation to an incredible 292 kilos of coke and six to 800 kilos of cannabis. My reckoning is that's worth at least 40, 50 million on the street. So that's that's his problem. That's why he's uh, he's in the background trying to, I think, trying to, to get that number lowered, that figure lowered. In the UK, they have a thing called a Newton hearing, which is a kind of a, a trial within a sentence, a sentence hearing, essentially. So in other words, the prosecution and the de- the defence can argue out exactly what somebody is guilty of. You know, he may be happy to say he's guilty of a lesser amount of importation of, of those drugs, you know, get a, a lesser figure. But anyway, so that's all going on. But nonetheless, um, it's the first kind of real insight we've had into exactly the kind of trouble that bomber Kavna is 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 facing and the kind of sentence that he, he is likely to get. So... For anybody who doesn't know, because we know him well, Niall, but who is Bomber Kavna? Well, um, he is somebody who's been at the very forefront of organised crime in Ireland for possibly up to three decades now at this stage. Um, he's born in Drimna. Uh, he he had a rapid rise, I think, um, into in terms of street dealing in Dublin in the 90s. Um, although he was involved in... in served time for weapons offences and armed robbery. Um, He seems to have, in the mid-90s, emerged as a major player, controlling a network of dealers. Um, In 1996, he became one of the first targets for CAB, and one of the, ultimately in 1999, they took a house off him in Nocturne in in Drimna, um, worth something, I think at the time, 106,000. He was brought to court along with Georgie Mitchell, the Penguin, yeah, I think they were actually the first two targets of the cab when it set up because it had only been established then and probably seizing that house, while it doesn't sound like much money now, that was probably one of their first major successes. Yeah, and with Bomber Kavanagh, with his his, his first cousin, a guy called Jared Hatcher Kavanagh, who became a very notorious criminal. Um, they seem to have, uh, at that stage, been controlling... Uh, a heroin and other drug dealing network in the sort of Drimna, Crumlin, but also out in West Dublin, in Clondalkin and Talla, where they they were possibly the main suppliers and people were always talking about these guys in, in, in that, that part of West Dublin as controlling things. And, uh, you know, they, they Bomber Kavanagh seems to be a man of organisation and great ambition and you know, Cab came at him, and uh, unlike some criminals who, even when they get caught, they just go back and do what they continue to do always, just continue to, to get caught, but they'll go back after come out of prison and just continue to do the same. Cab took that off, and there seems to have been a bit of uh, issues with Republicans as well, and 
he moved on. Yeah, so sort of um, by the turn of the century, he was in, he was in by the, 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 the noughties, 2000, he was certainly in Birmingham. He had established a car sales firm and he had moved initially to quite a nice house, I think, in Birmingham. I remember having a look at the, the address um, through the, the registra- registrars over there. And then himself and his wife, Joanne Byrne, moved to an area called Tamworth, which is quite an upmarket part of Birmingham. Uh, but in, in mentioning Joanne Byrne, I suppose we should talk about the connections that Bomber had here in Dublin and who the Byrne family are. The, the, the Byrne family, obviously, uh, or members of the Byrne family, certainly became came to prominence as the, the Hutch Keenahan feud kicked off. And eventually came before CAB, and where you you see the the Criminal Assets Bureau described the organisation as the the Burn Organised Crime Group, and what they became um, was probably the largest um, distributor of of drugs in in Ireland. Um, there, you know, as you saw, some of the the leaders of the the organisation uh, were constantly surrounded by by the Keenahan family, um, um, and and they seem to have. They were a franchiser basically for the for the Keenahan gang, and they they controlled and distributed the drugs here in a, a major operation, and obviously went on to play a, a huge role in 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 distributing drugs all over the country. But obviously, David Byrne, a member of that gang, um, was eventually shot dead in the Regency Hotel, and what has gone on has has what has happened in gangland in Ireland. A lot of it has sprung from that moment. So the Byrne family from Raleigh Square in Crumlin and Joanne would be one of the sisters. Now, she has no convictions and as far as we know, is not involved in, in organised crime. But her two brothers, Liam and David, very much were. Um, they're also kind of a peculiar thing about Dublin is how related and interconnected all these gangs are because the Byrne brothers would have had a significant role uh, with their cousin, Freddie Thompson, um, and other cousins in, in initially that Crumlin Drimna feud, which came before the Hutch Kinahan feud. That was the sort of first cocaine war kicked off just actually I- into early 2000 and resulted in the loss of 18 lives, a very vicious street war. Bomber Kavna sat at the head of that side of the organisation, didn't he? Yeah, and during that feud, you'd always hear, um, and you'd see it in the papers, Freddie Thompson, he's disappeared to Birmingham after somebody tried to kill him or you'd hear other members of the team, they're gone over to the UK. And this is obviously where they were going. They, they Thomas Cavanagh, no doubt, was not involved in the, the ins and outs of people attacking each other in pubs around the Crumlin Drimna feud and throwing bricks into walls. But he was an overall presence over there in Birmingham. Um, who who was operating quite openly as a businessman, and uh, you know stayed one step above the 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 ins and outs of it, but was moving between Birmingham and Spain, and was consistently involved in um, the drug trafficking network of that, and also by all accounts the the logistical distribution of drugs in terms of organising the transport operation. Um, getting drugs into trucks, getting them across borders, across and across channels, and um, yeah. So I mean, the burn, the burn organization, and and Thomas Kavanagh, uh, he was he was a, had a CEO role 
I suppose, rather than a rather than a you know delivering the 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 the, the stuff in and out. And he had then he also had obviously, as we see over time, that he had a huge uh, operation operating through the UK as well. Yeah, because in two thousand and nine, five associates of Bamar Kavna were caught in the UK with an enormous amount of drugs, and at that point, his business partner, James Mulvey, who was another cousin of his. There was Mulvey, Hatchet, Kavanagh and Bomber. I wonder where they got their their nicknames from. We can we can book yes, but um, Mulvey was actually, you know, he was identified as part of that investigation and they wanted to charge him, but he went on the run between Spain, Portugal, Brazil and Holland when he was eventually arrested in 2017 in Lithuania and brought back to the courts there was recordings of conversations he's had played which showed that even he at that point had become terrified of uh, his original drug gang and, and what was happening and, and um, you know, how connected they were, I think how Bomber was to the Kinahan organisation and uh, he was certainly sounded fearful of him even on the phones. But in the meantime, in 2009 then, Bomber slipped the net, however he did, he was hands off. Uh, but you could just see how big he was at that point. I mean, there was a hundred million euro worth of cocaine imported. Um, that 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 Mulvey, his his business partner, would be found guilty or ple- pleaded guilty to um, in the UK later. So it, this was a mega big, massive big UK and, and Irish drug organisation, and you know, bomber sitting at the very top of that. I think moving into. 2010 and that the final decade, he became uh, more and more entrenched with the Kinahan Mafia as they emerged as those big, big, big players in Spain. And they were working hand in hand. And as you said, he was described and would be described as a business partner, a, you know, a franchise essentially of the Kinahan organization in the UK and in Ireland. Um, so, I suppose things go slightly wrong or they start going slightly wrong in 2014 when Hatchet Kavanagh, Bomber's um, other cousin and his his Spanish business partner is shot dead in a, in a bar in Marbella. Yeah, so it seems that uh, over time the, the, the Bomber organisation, um, as, as the Keenehans grew and continued started to control the, 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 the importation of drugs into Europe, that Thomas Kavanagh and Hatchet Kavanagh became more and more um, at one with the with the Keenan gang, um, but and you know at that point I think at the start of in that start of that decade they started making huge huge money, and at some point along the way Hatchet Kavanagh and, and Bomber who had run a really really tight disciplined successful organisation seemed to have fallen apart. By all accounts, you know money and all of these things is the root of it all. And, um, you know, what happened was that Jared Hatchett Kavanagh, who'd been based over in Spain, was was shot dead in a pub in a, in a, in a horrific, uh, highly shocking uh, assassination that was caught on camera. And that seems to have been initially... You know, Irish, the Irish media, we all hear reports he'd fallen out with the Russians, he demanded money off the wrong Eastern European gang and all of that. And that seems to have even been pushed out by the 
by the Keenan organization through their, through, their, through their people. But over a period of time, it became clear that that wasn't the case at all, that, that, that it was an internal job and that Hatchet Kavanagh and ultimately then Hatch Kavanagh's younger brother, Paul Kavanagh, were taken out by their own by their own crew. Um, and that was a you know a significant blow, I think, to 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 the tight controlling of that network. The reasons for that have never been fully explained why the Kinahan crew fell out or turned on Hatchet. But we do know that that murder, his murder happened at a very volatile time in in the history of the the Kinnahans. It came weeks after Jamie Moore was shot at Daniel Kinnahan's property, a shooting. He survived it. The, 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 The boxing coach, Jamie Moore, survived that shooting and was an innocent boxing coach. But nonetheless, the shooting seemed to have been the catalyst for um, what went on afterwards, the, the murder of Gary Hutch and subsequently the Regency Hotel and the the start of the Kinahan-Hutch feud. Um, but it took a while really to untangle a lot of what was going on in the background there between Spain and all the rest of it. Um, the next significant moment, I think, for Bomber Kavanagh, and we should say, by the way, that he is at all times returning back to Ireland uh, in bigger cars with more money to splash around. He's known as a kind of a Santa Claus. Every time he comes back to Crumlin, he brings gifts of jewellery and, and you know, they're, they're big, big flash spenders, Bomber Kavanagh and the Byrne organisation. They at one point went on a holiday to Mexico, the whole family, uh, along with, you know, other associates and they spent up to 100,000 on, on a quick trip to Mexico. Um, Bomber Kavanagh also funded a 40th birthday party for for somebody close to him, um, which was held in Vegas. And there was, you know, up to 50 people went, flew first class to Vegas, stayed in a top hotel and all. They really were mega big spenders. They were probably the biggest I've ever seen. Um, and clearly that can in itself, annoy other members of the underworld who feel that they're bringing too much heat on them. But the next significant thing that happens, obviously, is the Regency Hotel. And that attack, which is uh, which is focused on Daniel Kinahan, doesn't quite work out like that. And David Byrne, Bomber Kavanagh's brother-in-law, is shot dead and, and, and left in the reception area of the Regency Hotel. Um you know, that was an incredibly dangerous time in Dublin. We all recall it. But Bomber Kavanagh returned for the funeral. And I think that funeral and the whole imagery around it sent shockwaves around the country and really showed Kavanagh for what he'd become. Yeah, I think um, Kavanagh hadn't been... Uh, photographed in Ireland in since his court appearances in the 90s and you could see at the funeral um, of David Byrne there was obviously a lot of people you know a lot of innocent people but also a lot of people associated with gangland crime and there was two men headed up the funeral cortege there was Daniel Keenan and Bomber Kavanagh and people were nipping up to them ducking their heads paying their respects and they were it was literally like a scene from The Godfather. 
and the two of them would shake hands and another person would come in and pay their, pay their homage. And uh, it was a, certainly a show of strength. I think there was, there was no doubt that for, the, for, for them that, that, that they felt that one of their, their, their closest associates had been shot dead. And in order to stay on top of what is a really brutal world, they had to show their, their strength and their power and they had to hit back. You know, as it says, you come at me with a with a knife and I'll come at you with a gun. And it, it set up a wave of, of bloodshed followed. Yeah. Now Bomber took on, obviously, for the for the state, the the whole clash of the clans at that Regency Hotel was a, a, a security nightmare. I think that when they sat down, the guards under the then Commissioner Noreen O'Sullivan, it was decided that the Hutch organisation, because they had risen the paramilitaries and used AK-47s that had been brought in from the north, that they were the biggest threat to the security of the state and they had to be gone after and shut down very, very quickly. The Kinnahan organisation, on the other hand, was seen as a long-term strategy. It wasn't something that could be closed down overnight. It had to involve the... Uh, work with international partners and it was a long five-term, five-year goal really that they were to achieve. But Bomber Kavanagh, because of his his closer proximity to Ireland based in, in the UK and because most of his mob were here in Ireland, he kind of became the first prime target. And he was also seen and suspected as being the man behind that brutal and... Um, you know, very dramatic response to the Regency. Um, the, those murders that came one after the other. In, in, uh, in 2016, Trevor O'Neill, a council worker, was murdered in Majorca where Bomber Kavna and, uh, had has a, a holiday villa and where an associate of his out there had spotted by chance Jonathan Hutch on holidays and had organised for a hitman to come out to the island and to to shoot him dead. Um, That was one of a number of the murders that Kavanagh was seen to have, you know, a hand within or that his associates were responsible for. But in, in 2017, I think the work that the National Crime Agency in the UK and the Garda's Drug and Organised Crime Bureau were doing together behind the scenes really came to fruition when a an arms factory essentially in the Green Oak Industrial Estate in Sagart was discovered. And there was a cache of weapons never before seen, the likes of uh in the history of the of Gangland. Um the weapons were bombers. They were brought in, many of them primed and ready for use in the feud, and a number of people were caught up um, at the time, including a guy we called Mr. Nobody, who was Bomber's secret weapon here in Ireland. Yeah, so, I mean, Bomber Kavanagh, if you remember uh, back in the day, Nicola, that unlike unlike uh, Daniel Keenan, you know, I remember looking up Bomber Kavanagh on a, on a company register and there there he was. I mean, he, he, he was, not to say he was operating as a drug dealer openly, but his whole business was registered in, in Birmingham, he had property in Birmingham. He had he was he wasn't a ghost, and I think then as the police moved in on him, that was a factor. You know he was established in the UK, 
But in, in terms of the weapons found in, in, in County Kildare, he had a guy called Declan Brady, Mr. Nobody, um, who, by all accounts, they grew up together. Um, they both they both came from the same area. Mr. Nobody was called Mr. Nobody because he hasn't been uh, the type of guy that is arrested constantly for violence. He wasn't going around shooting at people and stuff like that. But he had become uh, somebody who'd also operated under the radar for a long, long time and who hadn't got involved in in street tuggery or or violence, but had become a a really a logistical man for for, uh, Bomber Cavanagh in Ireland. Um, And there was also a guy... Uh, done there called Jonathan Harding, who'd been uh, who'd been working with that organisation. You're talking for twenty years. Um, had major convictions for heroin dealing in a previous uh, at a previous time. So they were operating, and um, these are people who are really, really long term employees, trusted employees of Bomber. And uh, the weapons that were found there, I think, I think there was a genuine shock that that you know. Sometimes you see in 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 other crime gangs, you see these ancient guns from the nineteen forties and stuff like that. But this was a totally different operation. This was um, this was a, a sort of a challenge to the state, nearly with the level of sophistication and and, and weaponry that was available to them. And uh, yeah, it was a, that was a huge blow. I think Mister Mister Nobody um, was probably somebody that that Bomber Kavanagh could trust implicitly had known all his life and could really operate his network for him in Ireland. Yeah, and I mean, that was a blow, but nonetheless, um, Bomber, to get Bomber would still take another while because these investigations, while the public may get impatient, the police forces both here in the UK and, and other territories as well have to have all their ducks in a row by the time they bring someone to court or else these guys with the kind of the legal backup they have and the money they have, they can just, you know, do their damnedest to get off. So it's not a case of, oh, just go out and arrest them. They need their case against them to be rock solid. So after Green Oak, we do see that there's a, you know, there isn't quite the same intensity of the murders in the feud. Um, the operation, the, the behind the scenes investigation between the NCA and the Guarded Drugs and Organised Crime Bureau continues. And eventually, um, in January 2019, Bomber Kavanagh is pretty sensationally arrested on his way home from a holiday. Um, I think he'd been again to, to Mexico and he was, he was arrested in the UK. Uh, there had been a search on his property in Tamworth, which, by the way, is a absolutely stunning looking um, mansion in, in in Tamworth, which is populated with premiership stars and millionaires. And where I went some years ago, while we were at Sunday World were investigating Kavanagh, well before any of the Regency happened or anything, and where I, I observed um, a gardener, a maid, uh, the house is in its own manicured grounds. There's you know, there was matching Range Rovers sitting outside. Uh, a member of staff of the house actually came out to turn the Range Rover in the correct direction uh, so as it could just drive straight out rather than have to reverse. One of these days I'll have somebody like that <laughs> myself, perhaps. Perhaps. Um, <laughs> but um, anyway, Bomber is, is arrested, the house is raided and he's brought before the courts on charges relating to a pink stun gun 
which seemed ludicrous when you're talking about the kind of guy Bomber was. He'd obviously, look, he could see that he was the focus of much attention. He could see that his weapons had been caught. There had been a number, there'd been actually countless arrests at that stage in relation to some of the murders that had happened here. There had been drug fines, seizures of cash. He was under pressure. And I'd say he had cleaned up anything that he had in the house. He did miss the pink stun gun, which was sitting in the kitchen up on top of the kitchen presses in an area that is often not cleaned in most houses for years and years. But... uh Anyway, he was brought before the courts and he was jailed for that. It was really a holding charge. Um, Ultimately, he was taken from his cell um, earlier this year. No, sorry, last year. Last year, he was taken from his cell and he was quizzed in relation to the real charges, which are these ones that he's pleaded guilty to, to the conspiracy to import drugs, to the money laundering. And, um, you know, if you recall when he was arrested that time, from his cell in the UK, he took a turn and he ended up in hospital. And, um, you know, it was suggested at the time it was because of what he was put to him. Um, and we heard no, no more about that until until the, the, the figures in relation to the drugs were, were were given the other day. Yeah, see, I think the, the stun gun thing, it's kind of, it, 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 there was a big raid and I think people thought, this is it, we're going to hear about you know, all sorts of guns and drugs. And then it was kind of a bit anticlimactical at the time. But I think, you know, it was probably significant as well because these guys operate within their own crew as people feel they're untouchable. These guys are never going to be got. And of course, they're not uh, unloading pallets of drugs off trucks. So they are really, really hard to get. But I think that was a significant moment when he was put in prison because it showed that these guys, that these guys weren't, that he was an untouchable bomber and that the police were going to get him. Um, and I think, um, you know, the, the it has caught up in him now. Um, you know, James Mulvey, his associate that we spoke about before, I mean, he's doing a 17-year prison sentence, I think. So it's, Yeah, there is, 32 he got. I think they serve half of they that. They serve half, yeah. So, I mean, there's no... Um, and, and Bomber is facing another huge, lengthy prison sentence at the age of 53, if I'm correct, um, and that, you know, they don't mess around in, in the UK with the, in terms of the, the sentencing of these things. And, uh, you know, he took a turn, as you said, nobody would wish bad health on anybody, but it just shows, I think, that he's gone from the point of uh, David Byrne's funeral, where this was a man of absolutely untouchable and feared. Um, that aura, I think, is now hit back and he's in a very, very different position in a relatively short period of time. For sure. And his his main um, associate here, um, Pater Keating, is also before the Special Criminal Court. He's he's um, facing charges there in relation to directing a criminal organisation here in Ireland, which carries a very hefty sentence as well if somebody's found guilty. Um, yeah, so interesting that, you know, he's still thrashing about trying to, you know, gather the last bit of air before he goes down, isn't he? Because this is really what is happening with this sentence hearing and all this legal debacle that's going around. I know there were certain comments on social media um, recently where where many people, many people are watching and, and it was suggesting that, you know, Kavanaugh was, 
you know, somebody in the organisation was touting in the UK or, you know, somebody was was doing deals. But I think from what I watched on the virtual hearing in Ipswich on Friday, I think what is simply going on is that Kavanaugh is desperate to reduce the level of those drugs so as he can reduce the level of his of his sentence. Um, they talked about a starting point of 20 years. Now that means, and the same as happens here with a sentencing, a judge has to start at a per- certain position. Then he works backwards with mitigating circumstances, which would include a guilty plea. You know, you know, somebody pleads guilty, they're saving the state a lot of money in a trial, they're admitting their guilt, showing a bit of remorse, whatever. There's aggregating aggravating, sorry, circumstances, which would include his previous convictions and that level, that amount of drugs they say he was conspiring to import would be a serious, serious aggravating circumstance in in that sentencing. Now, the judge wasn't uh, open to uh, even telling the defence that he was willing to start at that 20 years. Um, Kavanaugh was in court in Ipswich, couldn't see him, because he was off camera, but he was there. And at the very end of it, the judge did ask him how long it took him to get to the court because he has to come back again. Um, and he just, very strong Dublin accent, all you heard was a very cranky uh, character from the back of the court saying three hours. So, um, you know, but that's that's what we know of him. One of these days, he'll he'll finally get that sentence. It will come to an end. The Newton hearing may go ahead in August, which will be a two-week sort of hammering out of this evidence about the conspiracy and a decision will be made whether, you know, the state's levels of, of drugs that they say he imported are accepted or if a lower. So, you know, that may may give us more information on Bomber and what he was up to in Birmingham. Yeah, I see. He's somebody who for three for thirty years maybe stayed one step ahead of, of the police and his and his rivals, which is a long, long time for, for most criminals. Um but it is eventually at the age of fifty-three, it's caught up with him, and uh, that's 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 what it shows. Even these guys who get to the very, very pinnacle, make huge amounts of money, who who control a huge amount of power, and and but it does tend to catch up with them, and uh, they tend to end up dead or in prison. And uh, for Bomber, he's prison is going to be where he's going to end up. On that note, Niall Donald, we'll leave it at that. Thank you. The end of the bomb squad. Nobody's untouchable. sundayworld.com this is Crime World produced by Ian Mullaney available online and on all podcast platforms if you enjoyed this podcast please leave us a review and if you want to get in touch check out our Facebook page Crime World with Nicola Talent like to be able to start conversations like a pro take the sunday world your daily dose of what's going on 
Do not consume the Sunday world if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume the Sunday world responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.